Hello and welcome to GIST Radio. We are a casual radio station where we broadcast when we have something to say. GIST stands for Getting the Shit Together, and we broadcast important interviews and information for artists and creators of all kinds. For more information on GIST, please log into our website at www.gyst-ink.com, where you will find free resources, software, and publications for artists. You can email to let us know what you would like to hear about at info at gyst-ink.com. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Just Do It. I am your host, Kara Tomei. And what I do on this podcast is seek out artists and creatives who have hybridized their careers to include some form of innovative programming uh, that engages the public. That could be an ongoing project, an artist collective, a nonprofit entity, a business entity, whatever form it takes. Uh, we want to support and champion artists who have diversified their practice. And this podcast gives them a forum to share their experiences, so hopefully they can inspire others to just do it as well in their own lives. And I'm very pleased to have my guest, Allison Wiper, on the show today because she really epitomizes that whole uh, just intro that I just said. Indeed, she is someone who has done all of those things that I just introduced and uh, really just a perfect person to interview on here. She has the same philosophy as Gist, and her philosophies are really inspiring, too. So I'm just going to quickly mention that uh, how I discovered Allison. I was actually researching uh, about the creative engagement of the L.A. River because here in Los Angeles, L.A. River is uh, a site currently being very much engaged by artists and artist-run organizations. And uh, I was looking into an artist collective engaged in that, and Allison is on that collective, uh, or in that collective, on the programming committee. It's called Project 51. And actually, um, that project played the LA River. Allison is also going to help me get an interview with those people for just uh, what happened was when I realized how interesting Allison was herself, that I realized I had two interviews on my hands. I, I'm going to do an interview with Project 51, and I had to do an interview with, with Allison herself because she is a woman of many talents and um, has a very interesting approach to her life and her business, which is called Rhizomatic Arts. And um, I am going to have Allison speak for herself in terms of introducing herself, so it's not all me talking. But I do want to ask Allison to start with grounding the conversation in um, her performance art practice because, mm. you know, first and foremost, part, our, our guests are artists, and they produce their own art, uh, whatever form that takes. And I know that, Allison, you consider everything you do part of your practice, which is exactly uh, what we want to champion here. But, um, Allison, just say hello to the audience and then just tell us a bit about your background. Do the brief bio thing. We'll kind of get that going. Okay. And then out of that, I'm sure we'll spring our conversation about everything you do. So welcome okay. to do it. Thank you, Kara. I'm so happy to be here. Um, yeah, I uh, I have about uh, 10, 15 years of experience as a performance artist. I originally came from a theater background and moved into dance and experimental performance 
And um, I kind of got my feet wet up in San Francisco working with my mentor, Guillermo Gomez-Pena. And then in 2008, I moved down to Los Angeles to um, get an MFA at UCLA in the Department of World Arts and Cultures Dance. Um, really interesting experimental um, choreography program that's very uh, broad in how they define dance, which was great for me because I don't come from a traditional background at all. Um, my work tends to cross over between um, gallery settings, museum settings, and sometimes theaters, although I haven't performed in a theater in a very long time. Um, a lot of or in work- a river. <laughs> Lately, my work has been in places like River and outdoor yeah. sites. Um, yeah, I, I started making work um, recently exploring um, outdoor sites. I, I got really interested in the L.A. River, and that led to an invitation to work with Project 51 and program performance there. Um, but, yeah, like one of my more recent, uh, more um, extensive research projects was called Sibling Rivers, which is a collaboration with an artist in Perth, Western Australia, and then another artist in Calgary, Alberta, um, Sam Fox in Australia, and Terence Hool in um, Calgary. And we looked at the social histories of each of our home cities um, as embedded in the rivers that run through them. And so we created a, a multidisciplinary project. I actually flew to the two different sites, all three sites, and we made videos in each site and then overlaid the videos in a live performance installation that premiered last fall in Calgary. So um, I've been fortunate to collaborate with artists from all kinds of different backgrounds and different um, creative media. And uh, through everything, um, throughout my work, you know, I've always sustained myself with various types of office jobs here and there, and um, I've always been interested in issues around sustainability of an arts practice um, and arts career. And so that's right. So what I what I love about I want to I'm going to interrupt you a little bit because um, yeah. you, you glossed over like oh I had many kind of jobs and I mean I, walking through <laughs> how you got from being you know someone engaged in uh, the practice of making performance art in, in, into someone who has integrated everything you do and not only for yourself but for others through your through your business and your uh, services, which we will get to. But I just, I, yeah. you have a great section on your website, which everyone should go to, by the way, Rhizomatic Arts. It's a beautiful laid out site, so much information Thank on you. there about everything you do. Yes, it is. And mm-hmm. you do that as part of your one of your services, I know, is to help artists with websites. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah if, if it could look as good as yours, I think people would be happy. Yeah. And it's very easy That's to cool. navigate because you yeah, you, it's easy to navigate and you have a lot of information on there. So um, about your, uh, you know, performance practice and your workshops and everything else that you do. But um, I, I have a feeling we're going to go through a lot of segues again. I almost feel, I feel like we could do three sections, three three interviews yeah. with you on kind of different aspects. So we're going to have to cram it in. And if I get a little fractured and we go off on tangents, that's fine too. Uh, but getting back to, you know, you said you, of course, artists have to sustain themselves or often have to sustain themselves with uh, jobs, paid jobs that that are in addition to physically making artwork. And you have a great section on your website, the About Me section, where you talk yeah. about, you know, which, the typical, in a way, typical, like, crazy resume. You you know, you've had, yeah. you have this list of jobs from bookkeeper, stage manager, producer, administrative assistant, worked in a gift shop, full-time, part-time right. gigs, theater, con- you know, I mean, it's yeah. about, it, you just went from, thing to thing, you know, probably as it was presented to you and then gaining skills right. and using your skills. And then in that, say you, you say you just got fed up completely. Yeah. I love the phrase, you put professional schizophrenia. 
just completely yeah. probably sound is fractured and you decided to right. take control and right. pull it all together and take right. what you're passionate about and pull it all together into um well I guess the umbrella of rhizomatic art. Rhizomatic and, art and right. um and right and then offer things to to others. So but can you yeah. talk about that shift? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I have, I, you know, I've been sort of fruitlessly um, attempting to have full-time jobs here and there, whether they were in the arts or just sort of arts adjacent or just jobs that were, you know, relatively well-paying, but that would really give me the time and space um, that I needed. I've, I've worked with a lot of really generous um, employers who understand that I am a performance artist and that I need to make time to, you know, if I need to go to Australia for two weeks, I need to be able to do that. And so given that like the sort of administrative and bookkeeping type of things I found myself doing are often, you know, you need to be in the office. I was really fortunate to find, um, employers who were willing to work with me. But I, I nonetheless found after a year, a year and a half that I was, um, you know, frustrated, unfulfilled, um, just not enjoying my time there. And it, it, I realized that some people can make day jobs work for them. And just I realized for me it just wasn't the case. And so I went to a career counselor, um, uh, Career Transitions transition for Dancers in Los Angeles actually offers free career counseling um, for dancers who are looking to make a change in how they um, sustain themselves. And so I took advantage of that. Um, I, I did some, um, you know, did some questionnaires and, you know, kind of the usual career um, counseling that you might do in college or something. And um, just kind of really came uh, came to terms with like the fact that my personality just isn't such that, that that structure worked for me and that really I'm, I'm more of an entrepreneur. Like that's really my, my personality and I want to be doing research and I want to constantly be coming up with new ideas. And, um, and also I realized, you know, I mean, like the way that many artists work, like I'm constantly having ideas and making them happen. Like I don't sit on the idea for a few years and just kind of like work on it until it's perfect and then release it. It's like, as soon as I have an idea, I make it happen. And so I just wanted to create a platform for myself, my creative nose, you know? So I sat down with a friend um, at some point last year, just to kind of help me brainstorm through all of my ideas. And I said, you know, I have my sort of administrative things that I can do. I don't want to do them all the time, but they're useful things for some people. And then there's this website making thing. And with these great new online platforms like Squarespace and stuff, it's so easy to make websites. And I don't want to become a web developer professionally, but I want to help people make websites. It's really fun. I think I'm good at it. I'm helping. I'm good at helping people articulate the, their their um, their practice in a really clear and concise, visually supported way. And so I find that really fun. And gosh, wouldn't it be great if I could do a couple websites a month and that would help support me? Um, and then there's also my my creative practice and my workshops. And I want to you know produce um, workshop laboratories and different things. And then I also want to make my work. And how can I kind of find a way of making that make sense? And so we just sat down and we kind of made lists of like, you know, what are the things that I want to do? What are the things I don't want to do? What are what are the sort of values that are underpinning all of my different um, practices? And um, what do those have in common? And it emerged rather quickly that I had this model that I, I think of concentrically. And unfortunately, we're not visual <laughs> in a visual medium right now, but you have to imagine the core. If you had concentric circles the core of my business would be my one-on-one work 
with individual other people. And I also do one-on-one performance. So my one-on-one sort of, you know, administrative consulting work is is very similar in some ways formally Mm -hmm. to some of the performance work that I do. And I don't think that's accidental, right? So it's like I'm interested in speaking at these like one-to-one relationships with people, whatever way that is connecting, you know, whatever, whatever, if it changes services or if it's it's some kind of um, theatrical encounter, whatever it is. So that's like sort of the central core. And then the next ring out is sort of creating a network. So one of the things Rhizomatic Arts is doing is creating a sustainability network. Right now we're focusing specifically on Los Angeles. And so like artists and creatives who have skills and resources that they want to exchange or just want to get together for cocktails and meet each other and sort of build a community, that's the next rung. And then the widest reaching circle, the outermost circle, is sort of the public-facing um, projects that I'm doing. So any performances that are public or writing that's public or um, workshops that are reaching out to the public. So I started to think about structuring a business that way. So regardless of whatever the service or the transaction is or if it's a performance or whatever, those kind of, they kind of relate to, it's the way in which they relate to people that defines how they fit into the structure. So, um, yes, you have a very collaborative minded personality and, 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 and your, and that's what your business is based on too. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's that's that I'm setting up a structure for myself that like whatever I decide, like whatever skill I decide I want to start learning, like if I want to get more into sort of professional coaching, which is what I'm interested in at the moment, I can find a way of working that into my structure. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, that's what I'm doing now. And. It's it's a it's it's a lot. There's a lot of different yeah. areas that you are engaged in. But what I love is that you say also in your statement that all of this, you say I don't mm-hmm. think of this work as separate from my work as an artist. Simply another right. way in which I'm working to create the future I want to live in. So you're right. it's exactly. a wonderful. That's a wonderful quote. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I, mean, I think I might have to pin that on my wall. Um, In Los Angeles, I've had, I've been fortunate to meet so many amazing artists who work in social practice, and social practice is is becoming so established, but so um, uh, vital here, the the community and the the, the diversity of practices and expressions of social practice in Los Angeles are so um, interesting to me, and I'm encountering that all the time. So I think I'm really inspired by, by Los Angeles in that way. You know, I mean, there's just yeah, these ways is. in which people people are not really dry, uh, creating hard and fast lines between their creative work and their professional work, or, you know, and it's like the the idea of creating the thriving community sort of is the artwork. Like, we're trying to think about the sustainability network not as like a, a business model, but really as an art project in a way, you know, it's like we're trying to create network of people and that in and of itself you know inspired by the word right like Suzanne Lacey and all these amazing people in the world um you know it's artwork it's, it's creating that that um that reality that we want to see um at UCLA one of my <clears throat> one of my professors over many years I got to work closely with with Peter Sellers um the theater and opera director and he always says that first day of class is you know what is an artist is the person who you know, with the responsibility of an artist, it's a person who recognizes what they want to see in the world and then works to bring that about the job of an artist, is envisioning the world you want to live in and then creating that world and living in it. So I'm kind of really right. making it happen. I yeah. hold on to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very true. Well, you you're doing it. You're doing it, which is <laughs> which is wonderful <laughs> to to 
you know, hear about. I how about this? How about we talk about one of your workshops specifically, and maybe literally, you know, one you've done recently, so that we can hear, you know, the articulation of the vision literally through kind of the the, the hands-on. Uh, for instance, I'm I'm interested in the collective creation lab. I mean, perfect thing to right. talk about. We we're just talking about yeah. collectivity and creating, et cetera. So yeah. talk about how you formed this as a lab or, you know, workshop yeah. lab where people can come together. And um, have you done one recently that you can reflect on for us? We, uh, the first one is starting in a couple of weeks at, um, oh, okay. it's, That's it's through, through Peter Performance Space in um, Lincoln Heights. And so, yeah, so I, um, I have a category of rhizomatic arts um, practice called rhizomatic studio, and I sort of placed it under that in that it's an idea that I had that I brought to that community because I'm a member of the Peter Council, which is like the sort of community of artists who are really invested in using Peter and, and creating opportunities for each other there. And so I brought the, this idea to the council meeting. I said, you know, I mean, I, miss, I kind of was missing grad school. I was missing the sort of like structure of having assignments to like try out working in new ways for no other reason than just to try out working in new ways and shake up my practice and, and just kind of having like a collective studio environment to make work in. Um, and the community at Peter happens to be super diverse in terms of our approach to making work. I and mean, people come from all different backgrounds. So I just put out a, a, a sort of a pitch. I said, you know, I have, I have different, you know, um, uh, structures that I've used that I've presented in different workshops. Um, I have different ideas that I want to explore, things like, um, you know, authorship versus collective creation or the using and translating the idea of, like, open intellectual property into a creative process, you know, these sort of conceptual ideas and other people who started to kind of gravitate toward this idea of creating this laboratory maybe comes from, like, improvisational dance or contemplative dance practice or something. And so we just sort of said, you know, there's a practice that um, – sometimes dance studios do, and Peter's one of them, it's called collective movement, which is where um, different teachers will teach a different um, movement class each week or each month or something. So you end up going to a bunch of different teachers over the course of the year. Um, so we thought we would sort of borrow that structure and create a six-week laboratory where people, um, where we have eight people who have committed to joining, will work for three hours a week, and we will each take turns or, uh, you know, there's an opportunity to take turns to lead a different week. So one week I may lead my structure that has to do with um, authorship. <clears throat> and then the second week somebody else may lead the workshop on, you know, contemplative dance. And next week somebody else may lead a provocation on, like, well, what is dance? And we might spend three hours playing around with that. Um, the idea being that we that each week we're bringing a different provocation to how to create work, in this case, performance. We all come from either theater or dance or performance arts um, trainings or practice. So That sounds uh, incredible. Cool is, that sounds very Yeah, cool. the cool thing is we're making it really inexpensive because we have, we're, instead of just sort of opening it up so that anyone can show up at any time, we had eight people commit in advance. We, I calculated how much the studio would be for six weeks we're splitting it evenly, and then each week um, when we show up, everyone will give a small donation, token donation to whoever agrees to facilitate that week. So, you know, it'll cost us like 25 bucks for six weeks, and plus, you know, whatever donation, and if you need a structure one week, you get to take home some cash. So it's like we're not, um, it's much more affordable than a lot of um, 
usually, you know, six week workshop might run you hundreds of dollars yeah. or thousands of dollars with if it was a master class with somebody. But instead, we're just yep. treating it as um, an opportunity to work together. But what was really important to me was to find people who were willing to commit to the full six weeks. That's one of the things I find is most important when you're putting out these invitations to people, um, like with the sustainability network. You know, I'm always really um, concerned about making sure that the rest of the community is as committed as I am and that I'm not right. just kind of creating something that doesn't really have much use value to other people or, you know. So, so my role right. in the collective creation lab was sort of the provocation, the invitation, and then facilitation from structuring the whole thing. And, right. You know, but then well, I don't it, know what it's, it's right. going to look like when we're in the room. <laughs> so Right. Well, but that's, what, that's yeah. what's exciting about it, too. I think that's, that's going to be really, uh, really exciting. And one of the things you're talking about is a kind of shared economy mentality. Yeah. And yeah. can you talk a little bit about that and what that means yeah. for maybe some people out there in the world, worldwide, wide world web <laughs> audience yeah. who may not, you know, fully know, because that is something that is also wonderfully becoming more, uh, well, I don't know, you know, people are exploring this more, the idea of a yeah, there's a and how that factors into your business. Yeah, there's just, I've, um, I've for about, well, since, since my last year in grad, so for about five years, I've been, uh, I had this Facebook page, Art of Sustainability Project, and I was sort of blogging periodically about what are all the different ways that people are responding to these like the really, really difficult economic um, conditions right now, and how are um, what kinds of different business business models are people coming up with um, for their arts to keep their arts practice going or to keep their space alive? You know, opening a cafe to fund their theater or you know creating. Um, uh, creating bartering systems. There in in LA, there are a ton of um, what are called time bank communities, which is um, where you sign up and you um, you provide some kind of a service, and you know, or, or you um, and that you will get an hour of time value in the bank, and then you can use that to exchange it for someone else's service. So, like if you know you do an hour of gardening for a neighbor, you can then ask another, somebody else to come paint your house for an hour, you know, that kind of thing. So these sort of bartering networks are coming up and there's, we, every day in the, you know, in paper, social media, I'm reading about different, um, you know, there's different kinds of shared economies. Obviously Uber and Lyft and Airbnb are, are kind of on the continuum of types of, of shared economies where you have a resource Mm -hmm. that, that you're making available to other people. Obviously they can um, be quite lucrative for some people if you're charging money or other ones are strictly barter, like a time bank. Um, So there's all these different structures. And one of the things that we've been doing in our sustainability network brainstorms and meetings and get togethers, we're talking about what are the different terms of exchange that we've encountered or devised as artists um, that might be useful um, in creating an alternative economy um, around like services and resources. So you know, I mean, artists. I mean, there's there's obviously there's barter, right? And but there's other kind of relationships that we engage in sometimes, like mentorship, right? Like that's a structure, it's an exchange structure that we have used and worked with. And other people do things like you know, um, exchange of services for services in exchange for like co-authorship of a piece or co-ownership of a piece, you know, um, like the carpenter comes and works on something and you give him credit as co-maker of the piece or something like that. So we're thinking about like all the different 
terms of of exchange that you're devising and we might come up with and um so all of that is 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 sort of part of the conversation around this this art project the sustainability network um and in my business um I mean, I'm. I don't. Uh, I don't. You generally barter for services because my, the services on Rhizomatic Arts is what I need to pay my bills. But I'm. Um, I'm offering things like workshops that are like a good way to. Um, I'm actually. I admire like what Gist is doing with offering some resources for free, like some things that are either a lower cost, a la carte kind of things you can get, like review my artist statement or my CV or something like that or, you know, providing free resources like how do I write an artist on just website, which is great. So um, thinking about, like, offering um, different types of, of resources um, at different price points or in different contexts, um, all of those are sort of efforts to think about creating a more sort of um, share-based or generosity-based, abundance-based. Um, yeah, and I mean, we, makes, we talk a lot about abundance, like embracing an abundance mentality that there is more than enough to go around and we need to share. Which, but we also, you know, which need to don't pay you our think, bills. Yeah, I mean, don't you think that that is kind of like uh, you're trying, uh, and uh, well, maybe not a totally new framing of it, but I do, you know, we all know there's this myth about starving artists and. Yeah. And it's not a myth either, too. I mean, oftentimes you're coming out of grad school and starting your career, and there isn't a lot of, you know, um, disposable income to, you know, do a very expensive workshop or whatever, whatever. So this is a way to own own what you own the skills you have, share the skills you have with others, and, right, and create this right. collaborative. It's really it's a it's a mindset that makes absolute sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and I'm sure I, you know we're mm-hmm. already. I mean, so many of us are already doing all these things. We're already coming up with different ways of funding our projects, or or you know, funding our performers or collaborators, or you know, or getting getting people to work with us and, and coming up with different ways of compensating them. Like we artists are already have already been having to think so creatively about how to come up with equitable terms of compensation. Um, and of course, on the other side of that too is that, as we're all very familiar, a lot of people um, don't compensate, and they don't they don't think that that's a necessary conversation to have, um, or 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 something that they have the right to ask for for compensation or something because this idea of exposure or whatever it is that often leads, in my opinion, to a lot of exploitation of artists. And so, one of the core values mm-hmm. of of my my project and, and my practice is that. Um, everyone gets compensated, um, you know, and everyone gets um, more than just uh, just you know name acknowledgement whenever possible. So, and that was a commitment right. that I made um, when I said, you know, I'm never, I'm always going to pay my performers, you know, if I possibly can, I'm always going to ask for pay. And that's just sort of, it's sort of a culture, like um, it's sort of a commitment to the culture that I I, I made and I'm trying to promote by um, by example. Right. Well, that's that's the that's in, the best in, thing to um, do it. Yeah. In play the LA River, one of the one of the joys of being asked to curate performance, and we'll talk about this when we talk about play the LA River. But for me, is that um, you know, is that I'm I'm, you know, giving a, a fair um, payment to artists that I believe in, and it's, I'm not asking them to work for free. Although anybody, of course, has the option of putting on any performance they want for free at the LA River. Just go for it and advertise it on our website. But, right. Um, my, my, <laughs> it my is joy a public particularly. Space. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. So case, even though there are laws and restrictions, we'll talk about that later. But, right. Um, but like one of my joys is like, yes, no, we have we have grant money and we have money through the, through the University of California, and I want to give that to artists that I believe in. And so that's I, I love being able to do that. I think that's a uh, basically you are inspiring in terms of your thinking and how you're putting all of your. Uh, you know, ethics into practice in rhizomatic uh, mm. arts, and I'm really, really mm. impressed with that. I, I, you know, we have flown by. Our episode has flown by. Like I said, there's probably <laughs> many other subjects we could dive into more deeply, but I do like to keep our audience uh, kind of wanting more rather rather than the other way around. And what they can do is go to your website, rhizomatic arts, right, and engage. You know, engage with you, engage with the sustainability network engage with the community and, and look at mm-hmm. what you're doing as a model because I really do think it is a model for how artists uh, can make their life and their practice and, and succeed and be more community-based. And uh, I just really think you're a model of that. So I oh, really you. appreciate you coming on and articulating, yes, that, all of it. And I Well, I'm definitely, be... in, definitely inspired by GIST, so I'm, I'm really grateful that you um, thought of me. Oh, well, and, well, thank you for being inspired by Jess, and I'm going to take that moment to plug Jess for a moment on our show here. So Jess Inc. is an artist-run company, and we provide resources, technology, and solutions created by artists for artists. And we do we have a software program, publications about getting your shit together. Um, Allison already has her shit together, but there are lots of people out there that, <laughs> that on need it. a temp. Well, we all it's, it's it's an ongoing process, of course, as we know. But you certainly have taken massive leaps towards that in 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 doing what you're doing. And we also do have a lot of free resources on our website, gyst-ink.org, which is uh, any subject you can think of uh, in terms of an artist needing to know about their practice there work there what what is necessary to be a successful sustained artist is on there i mean there's a voluminous amount of information for free on our website about uh any subject you can think of so i urge people to go visit that i also urge people to like just radio on facebook i've been doing this show actually i looked it up today i've been doing this show for almost two years and I was kind of surprised to even see that because it, it, I don't know why. I, I thought it was a little less, but I've been interviewing artists all over Los Angeles who have done so many different kinds of things. And I hope that that's a resource for people. That's really why I do this show. It's, a, it's an extension of a resource we can offer at GIST. So with that, I'm going to say goodbye to Allison. And thank you for being here. And I'm going to... And I will t- I'll talk to you soon. We're going to get the um, Project 51 Play the L.A. River interview going in a week or so. So, uh, again, those of you out in uh, podcast land, make sure to uh, follow Blog Talk Radio, uh, just radio on Blog Talk, so you can hear that one. And look at our archive, because we have a wonderful archive of people like Allison who are getting their shit together and I hope can inspire people. So with that long-winded <laughs> outro, have a wonderful day and uh We'll see you again on Just Radio out there. And bye, Allison. Bye-bye.